the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shiny cars. It's been the same way for years. We need to change. Hello, and welcome to a Moving Iron Podcast. Today I'm joined with Eric McPherson, the CEO of Dawson Tire and Wheel, and uh, Dawson Tire and Wheel have been uh, our partners of mine here on this podcast. So we, I wanted to sit down with Eric and, and kind of pick his brain a little bit of of what he sees happening in the industry. What do you see happening right now, and how do tires fit into that scenario with the customers that you've talked to? Yeah, thanks for having me again, Casey. Really appreciate being part of what you're doing. Um, I think one of the things that we are talking a lot about right now is what's happening in the different brands of tires. You know, Firestone and Goodyear have been the name, the namesake of the ag tire world for a long time. And when the ag market really got hot back 2011, 2012, there was some other players came into the market. Um, Alliance, BKT, Trelleborg came to America, built a plant over here, bought out Metos, and I think those those two American companies, the standbys of the egg tire world, took a beating, and, and a couple things have been happening just, actually just this year, Firestone announced the release of a tire, a Firestone branded tire built in America that's their aim, it looks to me like, is trying to compete with the imported tires that have been really taking the market by storm. I think that's really good. I think it's good for the producers. I think it's good for the ag economy that there's a economical name brand tire, Firestone Tire. Goodyear's doing the same thing, actually. The, I've noticed they're repositioning the Titan brand with in, in a, as a price point that's the same as Alliance or BKT or I'm not saying those other tires aren't good tires it's just it's good for the producer when the competition gets a little harder and people start repricing things to to compete so that's one thing so how are those the, the tire brands that you see coming through right now how do you see them um, how's your customer uptake to the to the like the Firestone tire for example that's that's in competition with the Metos and the and the other brands that are out there? Well, they just announced it. We haven't actually seen product, but, you know, if we've got the other tires generally in the marketplace that aren't Firestone or Goodyear, Michelin branded, um, some people would probably take offense to this, but they're sold on price. Mm-hmm. And and it's the guy with the that's just looking for the lowest price point out there in the ag tire world that, so for Firestone to be out there with something that can compete there that they will sell because Firestone has the, it probably is the name in the egg tire world still. They still have the brand. Right. Trelleborg's done a good job. As I said there, they've come to America and they build a quality product, but farmers' perceptions are built over 50-year cycles and right. they don't change quickly. Yeah, no, they, they don't. Um Earlier, when we were getting ready for this, you'd mentioned something that I found interesting that I haven't actually paid much attention to, but you started talking about uh, a lot of uh, irrigation equipment, and you sell quite a few irrigation tires 
for irrigation systems. So you're, you're talking about seeing a lot of irrigation equipment move into areas that you hadn't seen before. Yes, we have, we've just noticed in our business, we, we do sell a lot of irrigation pivot tires and wheels, a lot of tire sales into Illinois, to Michigan, to Minnesota. Typically, there's always enough water there that I, I didn't realize how many pivots were in those areas, um, Indiana. So I think that's, that's interesting. I suppose that, I don't know how you find it, but in the tighter price commodities, the, the lower margins, probably people wanting to guarantee their crops a little more, just they, they can't, they can take less risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that probably plays into that. They're, they're trying to protect their crop the best they can and, and, and make sure that they can maximize every bushel they can out of every acre they can. So I'm sure that the idea of, of putting some irrigation water down when you need to um, probably helps quite a bit, especially in this year where not everyone has gotten the, the premium rain that they need to get. You know, some people have gotten tons of rain. Um, and some people haven't got enough, and some people have got so much rain uh, so fast that it might not have done much good. Yeah. You know? The other thing, one thing I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you you were talking a little bit earlier about some price increases in the machinery world and mm-hmm. how how's that, how are you finding that affecting the producer, your customers? And well, I mean, there's been some. I mean, obviously with the, the steel tariffs and stuff that are out there, there's going to be some price increases. What those are yet are going to are going to be hard hard to kind of peg yet. Um but there's a few there's a few out there that we've seen on some EOPs where the prices have gone up um, a little bit and duly noted. I mean, it's with as as the uh, material of, of production goes up, so does price. You know, that's kind of how it works. But um, you know, I think a lot of that stuff when I look at at, at pricing, I think um, with the price of new equipment and and the the dollars that are there that are in play now, we start looking at uh, substantial more dollars being added to a new piece. The guy that was on the fence for the new piece is probably going to be, um, he might get pushed back into uh, the late model low hour used, and, and that might be more of a, a dividing line for him. You know, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I've said several times on the podcast that I feel like we're in a, not because they want to, but because they have to time frame, um, kind of element right now. Yeah when they start looking at their inventory that they have on their on their farms and, and ranches and stuff because they've ran stuff probably longer than they feel comfortable with. And they're going to be up against some pivotal reconditioning costs and how that plays out in their business is, is always, it's, it's different for every person. Yeah. You know, We're seeing a lot, we, we do work with, as you know, a lot of ag equipment dealers, we're seeing a lot of lease returns. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see a continuing trend even with the change in tax laws that, we're just getting a lot of tractors coming off lease that even they're just trying to get them to meet the the specs back mm-hmm. for the manufacturer so they don't get a dinged when they right. turn them back in. So how do you, what do you see there? Well, I think I mean leasing is always going to be it's it's different for every operation. Um, obviously, leasing is in most cases there are some places that it's not necessarily the most beneficial. Um, thing to do but for the most part it's the cheapest uh avenue for operation cheapest way to run a piece of equipment um normally the um cost per hour is is 
cost of operational hour is significantly lower, um, but not in every case. I mean, some just some lease rates are uh, more attractive than others. Um, so, you know, the stuff we see coming off lease now. I mean, all that stuff was three years ago that it got leased, and it's finally coming back into the into the pipeline now. Um, the same way with the year before that. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm they're going to see more and more lease returns kind of hit the uh, hit the market um, over the next couple of years just because of how the lease structure works um, and we all were, were ready for that you know we, we knew it was coming um, and I, I feel like there's as, as, as long as they're going to be you know priced good for the marketplace and they're competitive with the marketplace um, there's going to be an appetite for those use those use lease returns as they come back and especially like when you say you know you're working with uh, like you said earlier like you're, you're running low on used tires and you know that's my preference when I go to have something used come in the last thing I want to do is put a new set of tires on it if I don't have to because they're of the expense and if I can buy a pair of 70 or 80 percent used takeoffs I'm, I'm going to go that route every time and I would imagine a lot of the lease returns you have coming back are, are kind of going that avenue yeah that's right just they're looking for the the least cost option Mm-hmm. Sometimes those things have sat around for a bit, and to have to put fifteen or twenty thousand dollars back into it, yeah, they kind of loses the attractiveness. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it doesn't. That's the one thing too about tires. I mean, that, that sells a piece of equipment. Um, like machinery, tires have gotten pretty expensive too, and uh, it's an investment that you're making on that piece of equipment because you could have the nicest you know be the most beautiful tractor in the world and but if you don't have the the right um amount of traction to go out and make it work it just it's kind of useless you know so tires are uh not that they weren't important before but they've gotten to be a, a a bigger deal now than they have in the past yeah which is why i'm excited that firestone and goodyear are paying attention to what's happening in the tire market because a lot of times we have to brand match mm-hmm. you know the, maybe the the fronts are good or the backs are good on a combine and, and they need duels or something. And so we're we're not brand specific. We're just trying to – I've got good years on the back of this combine and I need good years on the front. So I'm excited that the American manufacturers are paying attention to what's happening in the marketplace because I had the feeling for a long time that they didn't give a hang. They thought they could just keep market share, and they I think they found out that they couldn't. Yeah. No, it's uh... – Sometimes that market share thing is is especially when times are really really good and you you're making you're running at capacity, but you still don't have enough capacity to meet the demand that's there. Um, every once in a while you see something kind of sneak in there, and I would imagine during the boom, you know, Goodyear and Firestone and and Michelin and all them they were running at top capacity, but they still didn't have enough capacity to meet the demand that was out there. And, and then companies like Mitas and Chelleborg and What's that? BT BKT BKT. You know they they kind of had a, a door to kind of jump in yeah. there, and they they got, probably gained a little market share out of that. Yeah, they did. And again, I'm not I'm not knocking those brands. They're they're here and they they do a good job. But I I'm just glad that I, I still I'm still an American and I like American manufacturing oh, absolutely. stuff. So on that on that note, um, with the whole Chinese tariff thing that we're going through now, I'm sure there's a lot of rubber that gets built in China, and that's going to have some, I'm sure, repercussions with, with what we see here. 
any news or any kind of feedback that you've seen because of that and how that's going to affect the marketplace? I'll watch it pretty close. Um, I think the steel manufacturers saw an opportunity in the steel tariffs to raise prices. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a pivot manufacturer the other day, and they locked in a bunch of steel the day before American manufacturers put a 25% price increase on raw steel. So the tariff world seems to just create opportunities for right. countries. I I haven't seen any lockdown on tires come in. Uh, the U.S. government, the department that, that watchdogs that stuff, is, has had their eye on ag tires, especially from China and India, for a long time and been been putting 20 to 40 percent anti-dumping tariffs on some of that stuff coming in okay so we're not we're not strangers to the tariff world in the in the tire business right so i mean you're it's already a, a big tariff out there anyway that anything that would get added to that i mean obviously would be a, a big deal but um it'd be hard to say that they'd get another 25 percent tariff i mean you never know in this environment i mean we had 12 percent tariff on um soybeans for a long time and then they slapped another 25 on there and then you know who, who knows where it's going to stop now with with uh trump talking about another half a billion dollars or whatever it was yeah. that's put out there the other day so i don't know it's hard to say what's going to happen well what early on and i couldn't have been probably 15 years ago when they put the tariff on the passenger tires and truck tires coming in out of china mm-hmm. um the american manufacturers went to the government and said hey this isn't fair well in the in in the truck tire world and, and in the egg tire world, those tires are tier three tires. They're the low, they're the price point tires, mm-hmm. and there's generally a ten to fifteen to twenty percent gap between your next tier up on pricing, which is your entry level American brands. The so for Michelin, it would have been a BF Goodrich or Uniroyal for. You know, for the Bridgestone companies, it might have been a Dayton. But all they did was move their pricing up. So the Chinese stuff comes in at a higher price point, still comes in, and you still maintain the gap. Well, American manufacturers are capitalists, aren't they? (laughs) So they saw an opportunity to move the price up 20 to 25%. I Mm -hmm. fully anticipate in the steel that's what's going to happen here or is already happening. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, the tariff thing is going to be, you know, you, it's hard to say how long the stuff's going to last. It could be at the end of the summer we've got this figured out, or it could be the next president that comes in that we get things figured out. You know, it's just it's an unforeseen amount of time that we just you don't know how long it's going to last. So, you know, with all that being said, um, if if folks wanted to get in touch with you and, and look at some different options that you might have, maybe to uh, beat off some of these tariffs before they actually come into place and start affecting tires. How would they do that? Um, well, they can just Google us, www.dawsontire.com, or yeah. um, just give us a call at 888-604-3403. Right. Um, one other thing, I don't know how much time we have left. Yeah, all the time in the world, man. Okay. Um, you're in the equipment business. We're seeing a, a big increase in the lifestyle and compact tractor segment growth yep um, we do a lot of changeovers for for those things maybe in higher populated areas are you seeing that same trend just a, a big growth and 
what's brand mean in that world? Does it mean as much as in, in the production agriculture world? I mean, yeah, it's absolutely a, a it's a big segment for about any equipment dealer. Um, and it has been since about 2014. Okay. So, I mean, and it's probably because um, the, the large ag side of the business fell off and more folks, for whatever reason, it just seemed like there was a, a, a boom in that side of the business. And it might have been, it always was there and we just didn't know it and we didn't pay as much attention to it um, when we were selling 100 combines a year type of deal. Um, but but now it's a big part of our business. And um, brand specificness, I mean, uh, the customer there, in my opinion, they're they're looking at um, a number of things when they go out to buy a piece of equipment. I mean, they're looking at, um, you know, they buy them like they buy a car. You know, it's not like a typical farmer who's going to look at their operation and how does this machine fit into the number of acres I'm going to put across and those kind of things. They look at it like, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, shop the internet. I'm going to go buy a car, you know, that kind of mentality. Uh, I'm going to show up and I want a box blade and a bush hog and a, uh, you know, box or a three point blade. And I want a, you know, a, you know, bucket on the front and, and post hole digger or whatever it is. When they go to buy that, they want to buy it all at the same time and they're ready to do it. When they show up, they're ready to buy whatever it is they're going to buy. They might go around and get a couple clothes from the Kubota guy and the John Deere guy and the case guy and this, that, and the other thing. But, um, they're, uh, they're very much a consumer buyer just like you would see in any other any other facet of, of the business. So um, it is – I don't know that brand loyalty is um, is there. It's it's very much an option and spec-driven side of the, of the business in my, as far as what I can tell. And when I look at that, I think there's uh, – some tractors can do things that others can't, and then there's some um, some that are just based strictly on price. And the guys, in my opinion, that, that buy a piece of equipment strictly on price are never happy with it because it doesn't do what they want it to do. Or they don't they buy it from somebody alongside the road that doesn't have the parts and service business to help maintain that, that machine. Now, that being said, most machines that they put out there, I mean, we'll get machines that come back in after being on someone's place for five years and they've got 50 hours on it, maybe 100 hours, maybe, you know. And... It's a. Uh, it's just they don't they don't put a ton of hours on it because they're they're mowing with it on the weekend or yep. moving some gravel around for the driveway or they're pushing some snow or whatever it is. It's not like a an ag production piece of equipment where they're going to go put, you know, six months out of the year they're going to run it seven or eight hours a day type of thing. So, it's a. Uh, it's there. I mean, definitely the brand loyalty thing is there. Like it, like you would you would see there, but. It's, it's a very much a price-driven marketplace, but it's a value-driven place as well. And if they can get what they want when they show up, they, they, they buy that piece from that person. Now, that's interesting. We're seeing, as I said, we just we see a lot of it and a lot of different brands so mm-hmm. in the production world of production agriculture. If you kept yellow wheels on hand, you had 50 to 60% of what you needed. Right. But we got lots of colors of paint in our rim, oh, yeah. rim selection anymore, and it's it's just been interesting to me to, to see that. It's good. Good yeah. for the dealers. Good for us. Yep. There's plenty of, uh, there's, you know, like, you know there, there's plenty of activity out there right now, and, and you know, 
like I said earlier, it's, it's because they want to, not because they have to, because there's not a ton of cash been influxed into the marketplace over the last 24 months, right? So there's the, the, the stuff that we see happening in the marketplace right now. Most of it is, is over, um, you know, guys have, have ran their piece of equipment for longer than they feel comfortable with it, or they could have, <clears throat> you know, they don't want to spend the money on, on what it's there because the number of acres are going to put it back over. Um, but the, the next tier guy, <clears throat> it could be, a, you know, he feels comfortable enough to go out and, and maybe he's the guy that wants to do his own work too. You know, there's, we have a ton of those guys out there that want to go and redisc their own stuff or that, that air drill might have just enough hours on it or just enough uh, blade length left on it um, that they can go and, and run it for one more season most of the season, you know, they kind of eke it out, and then in the wintertime, they'll go back and reblade it, well, guys trading in may not, that's not an efficient way for him to run his operation, so, so much of what they're doing is, you know, because of where they're at in their, in their situation, and then how that situation fits into their business plan, and how that situation fits into their overall efficiencies of how they run their business, so there's a, um, we're seeing it now, but I also think, too, we're in a very, we're in a stabilizing part of the of the market. You know, we've kind of hit a soft bottom. You know, I say that, and you don't know what the tariff thing and how that's going to affect it, but, I mean, markets closed on Friday way up, and I was expecting cause that's when the next round of tariffs kind of took place, and I was expecting it to be just a, a bit of a bloodbath, you know, and we kind of watched that over the last three three weeks leading up to that, that every day was kind of worse than the day before. Every once in a while you see a little bump up, but... Um, you know, like, like I have, like when I have Chip Nellinger on from Blue Reef Agri Marketing, and he's on there. Like we talked about that, that that probably a lot of that was already put into the market. You know, they were already buying the, buying or selling the rumor, buying the fact type of thing, and, and that played into that pretty well. So, I was, I was shocked that it was did what it did. So, I mean, who knows? We there's the that tells me that, and and based on I'm not a commodity guy, so I'm gonna pretend like I know everything. Yeah. I know what I'm even talking about here, but. And based on the conversation with Chip, it's very much, you know, it's artificially low. And they've kind of put that, that security in there and, and what that looks like and how that plays out. You never know. But as of Friday, things look pretty good. Well, that's good. It, the, the producer needs every boost he can get, doesn't he, right now? Yeah. Just, it's um, funny how that works. When they make money, we make money. Yeah. It, you know, it, isn't that weird how that works? <laughs> so, yeah, we need, we need them. We need them to... To have good, strong, healthy balance sheets, and, and no, they really, they really kind of the backbone of America. They they yeah. keep these small towns alive, don't oh, absolutely. they? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you take a look at one one uh, one farm operation. How many people that does that employ? You know, you're looking at equipment guys, you're looking at tire guys, you're looking at um, bankers, you're looking at just the people in town that that have the different service stuff, the co-ops and everything else, yeah. the chemical people. I mean, so many people are employed by each one of those little little entities out there those farm entities out there that are ranching entities or whatever it might be that that it's a it, it, when you really stop and think about it, it does it's a very it's a very big um swath that they that they kind of cut for small town america yeah and what i think is really different i grew up on a farm but what i think is different today is and i was actually talking to an old farmer back in illinois not very long ago fairly successful farmer and and we were talking about this that the guys in it today are in it to make money mm-hmm. it 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 is a great life but 
he said he said I've taught my boys that we farm for money we don't farm to drive tractors and I think that's a big trend and it's different than the 80s, mm -hmm. even though it was a downturn, because people are a lot smarter today, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think we have a lot more, I mean, the kids coming back off to the farm, I mean, the majority of them went, you know, they've got ag econ degrees, mm -hmm. you know, they've got, you know, ag management degrees, I mean, they've got these, they have degrees where they're, it's, they, I mean, their approach to the businesses, I'm, I'm a business owner that happens to be in, agri in agriculture, you know, I'm not a, a farmer right you know, i mean that they still wear that moniker with pride that they're farmers or, and that they're ranchers and those kind of things but they're very business oriented not that they weren't before but it seems to be more the dollars and cents of the of the business side of it is uh really really super uber important side of it yeah and i i see that a lot that we started in tires 20 years ago and, and saw a lot of not a lot but tendency to make emotional decisions mm -hmm. i don't see that today yeah no they're, they're fewer and far between yeah i mean they get a lot of them you know a lot of guys that you deal with on every day they have a business plan they start with a marketing plan the first year they know where their break-even points are and they know if they can sell something here and make a little money they're going to sell some crop and then they're going to keep doing that with those opportunities keep keep uh presenting themselves and you see it time and time again uh, when the market ticks up, guys are selling, um, and they're not. There's not as many of them sitting back there going, "Oh, it's going to go up five more cents." I know yeah. it. I know it. I know it. You know, it's just they. They see a chance to to lock in some margin, and they do that. Yep. Do that. So, well, Eric, I think uh, I think we covered it here. So, one more time, if you guys want to get a hold of you and talk about the differences in. Um, for example, pivot tires or the different brands that are coming out and some different price points that are there, how would they do that? Again, just give us a call, 888-604-3403, or Google us, www.dawsontire.com. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition. So until next time, uh, Eric, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Casey. All right, man. Moving higher in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving